You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to our Final four sneak peek predictions. Look ahead. I'm Andy Katz here in the press room at NRG St- Stadium in Houston, Texas. We've got uh, San Diego State taking on Florida Atlantic in what is being described a little bit as the undercard. And then UConn Miami as the headline matchup on Saturday night. Uh, just finished the press conferences over my shoulder. Uh, all four head coaches came through yesterday. I uh, did uh, one-on-one sit-downs with all four head coaches. Those will be posted on our NCAA digital platforms at NCAA.com, March Madness Men's Basketball, so you can check those out. Uh, my combos with Jim Larnag of Miami, Dusty May of Florida Atlantic, Jan Hurley of UConn, and, of course, Brian Dutcher of San Diego State. Um, a couple of overview thoughts, because I've been asked this a lot on Radio Row earlier today for Westwood One uh, about this Final Four. I mean, first of all, I think this is all cyclical. Uh, it was a year ago that we had all four Blue Bloods, uh, or not all four, but we had four Blue Bloods, Duke, Carolina, Kansas, Villanova, in New Orleans. First time ever having uh, Duke and Carolina meet in the Final Four. Then you've got this year where three of the four number one seeds, you could argue, were damaged in some way. Um, Alabama, obviously, with the controversy that was still around Brandon Miller, um, you had Houston, which was not 100% healthy. Kansas having to go without Bill Self, who had had a uh, stent procedure. Um, so three of them were, you know, could have gotten here, but they were flawed. Purdue is probably the one outlier. Uh, their loss to FTU certainly is hard to explain. Uh, you know, the twos and threes not being here. Again, they all had chances. Uh, and the four that got here earned. I mean, UConn dominated its competition. San Diego State and um, Miami both took out respective number ones, and Florida Atlantic took advantage of no Purdue, no Duke, no Kentucky. They beat a Tennessee team that was wounded, and and then a K-State team that basically they matched them, uh, you know, right, right, <laughs> right with them. Uh, so, you know, look, there is no question that um, this is a Final Four that we didn't predict, uh, but it's one that uh, I don't think will be the norm. And the reason I also say that is, you know, we've got two more seasons of the COVID year. So if you were in school in 2021, you have five to play four. And I do think the COVID extra COVID year has allowed a lot of these teams to stay older, 
uh, stay in place at their respective school. Combine that with the transfer portal and NIL and all those things that coming together have allowed a lot of these teams uh, to be in position to make a run like this. And so uh, that's why I do think that things will start to settle down a little. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, if we had multiple years of this, would people be concerned? Maybe. I mean, I like the fact we've got some fresh faces. Uh, I also, it's also interesting how, you know, the Miami factor of the ACC where, you know, we have no Big Ten, no Big 12, no SEC, no Pac-12. Um, we do have a Big East. And then there's like, oh, we don't have a major conference. Well, wait a minute. We have the ACC represented. But there's such a narrative that if it's not Duke, Carolina, Virginia, that the ACC must be down. Now, the bottom of the ACC certainly struggled. But the last two years, or really before that at times, but Miami has established itself as a legit ACC power. And for whatever reason, that has not been uh, accepted as part of the ACC narrative. So, you know, I think we got to change that story a little bit. Maybe Miami could do that this weekend. Um, so Jay Platt, okay, says the same dude that picked Purdue to win it all. Um, I love when these people chime in, you know, and yell at you and scream at you when you get a pick wrong. But the years when I've done it right, I don't hear anything. Um, I had Villanova, Carolina in 2016. Um, look, I can't, def I, I don't play for Purdue, you know, they lost to FDU. It's unexplainable. You know, uh, I saw them in, uh, in Chicago. They did a great job winning the big 10 tournament. Maybe I was a little romanticized by that. I originally actually, the beginning of the season picked UCLA and had Jalen Clark been healthy, I would have stick stuck with that pick. So, uh, look, very few people are uh correct in this bracket no one of course got a perfect bracket so you can come at me all you want i don't care i'm just gonna say that uh you know you have to explain that or i'm gonna explain it with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, all right, so let's go with my power rankings. A little fuel for the fire for FAU. Now, when we get to this point, I mean, you know, I know the fans will come at me here of these two schools at the bottom, but I don't know how else you would rank them, all right? First of all, um, you've got UConn uh, as a one in my rankings. UConn has dominated the competition. UConn was number two in the country at one point. They won 14 straight. This is their final four to lose. Now, news today is the person on your screen there, Jordan Hawkins, um, under the weather, non-COVID illness, did not practice today, is not here in the Dome. He's obviously got plenty of time before tomorrow night to feel better. Don't know what it, what's ailing him. I interviewed him yesterday. He looked good, but maybe he's got a stomach bug. Who knows? Uh, but it's a non-COVID illness, so he was not here. Um, 
So first off, uh, with UConn, um, they've got two of everything. Noah's Ark team. Klingon and Sonogo, no one else has that. And I think that's going to be a difference maker for UConn. Can Miami beat them? My number two. Co-ACC champs with Virginia. Again, um, you know, it's, you know, I don't know why it'd be weird to pick Miami two in my rankings here. Of course they can beat them. Um, they just took down Texas, uh, a Texas team that was playing its best basketball of the year. They absolutely ran past Indiana in the second half in Albany, dominated that game. Um, they've been very impressive. Uh, Norshad Amir has played really well. Jordan Miller's had his moments. You know, obviously Nigel Pack and Isaiah Wong. Um, they've got some depth, not as much as UConn. Um, and this team's going to keep coming at you. They're going to go downhill. They're going to keep pushing it. Not a great defensive team. We know that. But if they can get this game, you know, in the 70s and 80s, where UConn would like to play too, um, there's no question they can win this game. Miami, here's the deal. All four of these teams can win it here. That always hasn't been the case. I know that's, oh, you're in the Final Four, but I never felt that way about George Mason, VCU, or Wichita. So those are sort of the three, you know, outliers recently. Um, never felt they could win it. I actually think Florida Atlanta can, um, regardless of who they would play Monday night. So I'm going to come back to San Diego State in a moment. Florida Atlantic. What I loved about them in uh, New York is, first off, they won two games in you know different ways. Beat Tennessee, lower possession game, match their physicality. Against K-State, K-State wanted to run, and FEU was right there with them. Let me tell you, first off, Madison Square Garden never disappoints. It was absolutely rocking. Loved it. Loved that venue. The best in the country for this sport. You had an unbelievable game, K-State, Michigan State on Thursday. Uh, Marquise Noel, 19 assists, NCAA record. Overtime, what a phenomenal game. Privileged to be there. Saturday, oh, it's going to be FAU against K-State. Eh, 19,000 plus. Unbelievable atmosphere. Again, great game. Came down to a last possession, which FAU defended very well. Um. So there you've got a case where they win on Thursday, playing more half-court, bruiser ball. Saturday, up and down, match K-State, toe-for-toe, and they come out ahead by three. Um, so this team, they're hungry. They're pit bulls, as Nick Boyd told me. Um, they're resilient. They may not have a star. That's what he made so even keel, even. So I wouldn't be shocked. The Aztecs... I really like this team. Physical, strong, great defensive team. Um, my issue is uh, offensively. That's the problem for them. How can they deal with a scoring drought? If it's against FAU, I think they can clamp FAU down and manage it. My concern for San Diego State over two games more so against UConn, 
is if they go through a scoring drought, which is what happened to them, can they keep UConn in check? Defensively, yes, but if they're not scoring at the other end, eventually the dam's going to break and UConn's going to get through that. So they have to do a better job offensively. Matt Bradley, he's been in a bit of a shooting slump. He's got the potential to go for 17, 20 a game. He's got to snap out of that. Um, I don't think any of these teams will actually be, will, will shrink in the moment of playing in this vast, expansive stadium. So, you know, look, here's the deal. My picks are a UConn-San Diego State final, but I swear I will not be shocked by any combination. Um, I don't know if I have felt this way at a Final Four in quite some time where none of it would shock me. FAU Miami, you know, FAU UConn, UConn FAU, none of it. I think all of these scenarios are plausible, um, you know, in large part because of their respective paths. I mean, San Diego State, controversy or not, they were able to control tempo against Creighton. Um, you know, Miami, as I said, matched Texas, came back on Texas. Fort Atlantic, I just described what happened in New York. UConn, what was interesting, Dan Hurley said, was um, that UConn didn't get challenged in the second half, didn't face adversity. So that's going to be interesting. Against Miami on Saturday, or if they win that, Monday, whoever they play, how do they handle if, if in the second half they get into a late game situation what happens um that i'm really intrigued to see if they're in that position what happens um so again don't hold me to it because i think it could go anyway all right so let's do a couple of these questions here uh from Brenna, this is the most random final four ever that is correct um you probably have to go back to 2011 which was the UConn-Butler final. Now, Butler had made a name for itself, obviously, the year before in losing to Duke, but um, they did have an NBA player on the floor, you know, obviously. So, um, and Shelvin Mack that year, because if I'm not mistaken, Gordon Hayward left after the 2010 game. I think that's the case. But that was the UConn-Kemba year, and they were obviously, um, you know, they were on a great run. Uh, Canes are going to be the underdogs again. Yes, they will in the semis, but here's the thing. If Miami wins on Saturday, they'll be the favorites Monday night. Okay. Joe wants to know what is the best final four ever. So in 2008, we had four number ones. That's the game. Um, Mario Chalmers hits the three to send the, to overtime. KU beats Derrick Rose in Memphis. That was a great one. I'm old enough. This is my 31st Final Four, so I've seen a lot of great ones. Chris Jenkins shot, obviously. The Marcus Page Jenkins back and forth in 2016 uh, was phenomenal in this building, by the way. Um, I would also go to 93, second one I ever covered, Chris Weber timeout game. Um, I would go to the 03... Hakeem Warwick block of Kansas, Syracuse under Carmelo. I would also mention the um, 2015 game. 
that whole Final Four when Wisconsin snapped Kentucky's uh, 38-0 record in the semis and then lost to Duke in the final in 2015. I would also, the other one that jumps back to me would be in, um, uh, what was the other one? Uh, Detroit. Uh, uh, well, what am I talking about? 2010. For uh, Gordon Hayward's shot that didn't go down. So Duke Butler that year. Those are the ones off the top of my head. Um, how much do I think San Diego State can benefit from making the Final Four Gonzaga-type recruits? Uh, look, they did have Kawhi Leonard, who I've been told will be here Monday night if they win. Yeah, look, San Diego State, I'm anticipating, will end up in the Pac-12, whether that's next year or the year, uh, the year after. Uh, not next year. Either when UCLA, USC go to the Big Ten in 24 or in 25 uh, at some point. Yeah, I mean, it's going to continue to elevate the program. I'm telling you. I saw it in the 90s. The San Diego State with Brandenburg, Tranquil, Tony Fuller, all before Steve Fisher got there. They're playing at Peterson Gym, the old San Diego State, San Diego Sports Arena, uh, which is probably best known for being the host to the concerts in Almost Famous, uh, my favorite movie of all time. Um, that's probably, you know, people don't remember, like they were a bad program, bad facilities. And what's transpired is absolutely remarkable. Is you got a blue blood? Um, in my opinion, yes, they are. You know, we, we keep debating this definition of what it is. You know, look, UCLA has won a title since 95. Indiana has not won a title since um, 87, right? The last one? Yeah, 87. So, come on. Um, is there a statute of limitations on being a blue blood? I'm going to say Villanova has won. They've won two championships. I get pushback on Gonzaga because I guess the definition to some people is win a title, but you know, eight straight, sweet 16s, two national championship games. Uh, FAU versus the U, move it to the Heat Arena. <laughs> well, you're not going to do that, but that'll be interesting. South Florida, I love it. Who do I think will be the MVP of the Final Four? If it's UConn, it's Sonogo. If it's FAU, I'll go with, um, if it's FAU, I'll go with John L. Davis. If it's Miami, I'll go with Miller. And if it's San Diego State, um, well, it could be either Trammell or it could be Nathan Mensah defensively because he's going to have to be massive. He's going to have to have an Anthony Davis-like year for that. Um, thank you, Nino430. Can't be mad at the analyst because who could have predicted this tournament? I appreciate that comment because we're all wrong. It's harder to win, to get a perfect bracket than it is to win the lottery, allegedly. So, um, all right. So bottom line is I just want close games. Okay. Uh, I, I really believe that the ratings are dictated by blowouts. I know teams help, but if you had last year, Duke blowing out Carolina by 40 or something like that, or vice versa. People are going to turn it off. Um, are the higher seeds playing better than usual, or did the committee miss something? No, I, I, I think that they're, you're saying, well, we get this. To me, it's lower seeds, lower on the 1 through 16. Um, higher to me is 1, 2, 3, 4. Uh, they're playing better. And I think these teams were seeded more or less within a line or two of where they should have been. You know, 
I mean, when we did our bracket, we were pretty close in our seating. No question about it. Um, all right. Uh, UVA's run in 19. Yes, that was pretty remarkable. Um, but that wasn't, well, that was, yeah, no. We had those late game magic there. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll put that one up there. That was a good one to mention. Um, all right. I think uh, we got time for one more question. Maybe not. So we got one more. Yep, we got one more. All right. What about a Florida team all final? Yes. I mean, it's more than possible. FAU Miami definitely could happen. Um, and it will have interest in 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 in, uh, in Southern Florida for sure. Um, you know, but if hey, if it's a good game, hopefully people will watch. So anyway, appreciate your time. Check out our interviews on NCAA.com, NCAA Digital, March Madness Men's Basketball for those interviews to be posted sometime later today, Friday, and into tomorrow. Appreciate everyone. Appreciate your time and enjoy these games. <laughs>